Oh my goodness. I just finished talking to the Donis brothers. And when I tell you that these boys, these young men are impressive, they are. They are very young. I was joking with them and telling them that combined, they're still younger than me and they are. But they're amazing. They are unbelievable. And they started from humble beginnings. I did not know that they have a Hispanic background, but what they're doing and what they have done and how candid this is a very candid conversation again the purpose of this podcast is not to be the regular bro aria podcast but really go deep um within and talk about the mindset talk about the person because it's not just about the deals which we love okay we love the deals but it's also learning more about how we got where we are and how the listeners and the watchers can as well so i know you're gonna love this interview it was powerful it was funny we had uh, an entrepreneur in the background cutting some grass so we'll do our best to take that out of the audio but if you listen to it listen that was somebody making some coins and we are not mad about that at all so in the meantime make sure that you subscribe to the podcast we'll see you next week when we bring yet another amazing person doing the very thing that we all want to do which is real estate investing in the meantime please make sure that we become rei friends and i'll see you next week bye oh my god today we have an awesome treat because we don't have one guest two guests but we have three guests today and i'm gonna let them introduce themselves to the rei friends family hi guys Hello, thanks for having us. Uh, yeah, my name's Jeffrey Donis. I'm Kerwin. And I'm uh, Kenneth Donis. I'm 23 years old and, and we're 20. My, Jeff and I are twins, so we're both 20. And we're the Donis Brothers. Yeah, that's our brand, our logo. I <laughs> love it, the Donis Brothers. That is so cool. And you guys are real estate investors, right? Yes, yes we are in real estate investors, specifically in the apartment space. Yes. That is unbelievable. So just get right into it, because you guys, I was telling them now, actually, I take it back. No, no, together, you're still... You're still not older than me. That's okay. Um, and you guys can do the math. Uh, but tell us, um, since you share your age, how did you guys get started uh, in the real estate investing world? Yeah. So, um, you know, we were in college and one day I was just sitting on my bed and I was watching The Breakfast Club and I saw a guy named Mark Wayne came on and started speaking about how, um, you know, he came from nothing. He came from the hood, no cash, no credit, no education. And he built a multi-million dollar business. And basically he, he was just explaining that if he did it, anyone watching could do the same. And at the moment, uh, you know, at the time I was just in school studying. So it just really um, changed my mind mindset as far as what is actually possible. And so I kind of told my brothers that it's, you know, real estate is like an avenue that we could potentially pursue. And, you know, we kind of went with it. Yeah. Uh, at first we kind of... Um, yeah, we, we took a lot of time to learn from podcasts and books. And we ran that analysis paralysis stage of our journey. We were in college. Jeff and I were our first semester in college. And so it was a limiting belief that we thought we didn't have enough time. And we were going to postpone starting the actual business until the summer after our first year. And then it wasn't until we went to Guatemala for the first time. That's where my mom's from. And, and Catherine, you sound like you have an accent. If you don't mind me asking, where, where are you from? Yeah, I'm an island girl. I'm repping Afro-Latin. That's awesome. Well, yeah, yeah. so we're first-generation American. Uh, my mom was, was from Guatemala. And so we went there for the first time and just seen the difference. And uh, we like to say we won the American lottery by being born here. Um, we have so many privileges that my cousins and the other, in another country don't have. And so when we came back, we decided to take action. We started wholesaling as soon as we got back. Yeah, um, and after we got into wholesaling, yeah. uh, we did like a decent amount of deals. Uh, over 13 months, we did some creative financing deals as well. 
uh, and then we did one fix and flip, and then it was January of 2021 that we ended up joining multifamily. Uh, we got into a, a mastermind group, and we've been co-sponsors on three deals uh, in the multifamily space. Holy moly, my brain is like going like that was, this. That was an <laughs> overview, sorry. No, 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 that was great. That is amazing, and I love the fact I never look up my my guess up ahead of time because I don't want to be biased and I'm glad that I didn't know that you guys um, have um, a Hispanic background uh, but it's very powerful because you, you talked about you touched on limiting beliefs so growing up you didn't hear people talk about being landlords or talking about real estate investing that was not something that you guys grew up with no, no absolutely so not so our mom is a single mother um, you know we, we come from a single mother low-income background so my mom pretty much growing up, you know, she cleaned houses and she does still. So that's one of our whys is just to try to retire her as soon as possible. And yeah, I mean, honestly, growing up, real estate was just something that you lived in or you went and went to school in or it was like a building. It wasn't something that you yeah. invested in. I yeah. would I would even say I'd go as far as saying like I didn't even know what real estate was yeah. other than maybe like a real estate agent. I didn't know you could invest in it um, until you start listening to podcasts and reading books. Uh, and that's kind of how we it led us down this rabbit hole. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's so powerful. I was telling my cousin the other day, we were kind of reminiscing growing up. We, we actually, I was born and raised in the Dominican Republic. So I was telling him, how come we never knew about like landlords and having land? And, and in our case, people that own land were looked like, you know, campesinos, people like are from the country and, and not looked on like people that own land here. I looked in a very different way. So I could totally relate on the mindset stuff. So you find out about, you watch the movie, which changes your life. What is the first step? Like, where do you go to learn about real estate investing? So we had actually been listening to podcasts and reading books, and that was the first place we started. Once we got back, Kenneth uh, pulled a list of data, which is just a bunch of people with numbers, homeowners numbers. We started cold calling, and we were in our dorm rooms, respective dorm rooms, because I was in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, Jeffrey was in Wilmington, and so we were each about an hour to two hours apart, uh, having in virtual college. calls, yeah. Having virtual calls, communicating, and yeah, I mean, honestly, we went to a few meetups in the area, like local networking events. That was kind of a good way to just start building our network and getting exposure to the industry and meeting people that were actually doing it. And I think, and I think I probably speak to this as well, but meeting people that were actually doing it, it began to demystify the, the whole investing side of things and made it seem more real, like something that was more attainable for us because we were, I was, I think, 18 when I started. And so it didn't seem like it was possible for me to do. And even though, you know, you have the faith, it's from faith to fact, that's the hardest gap to jump, you know? Yeah, yeah. that is amazing. Yeah, just thinking about um, what do they say, that when you're close to people, right, proximity yeah. is key. So exactly. you are talking about different things. You, you talked about uh, seller finance and creative financing and wholesaling and all the things. Where did you guys start? Like, you're, obviously yeah. you said you're, yeah. you come from a single mom, so there's not extra money laying around to buy property. So where do you guys decide, okay, we're gonna start which strategy did you start with? Yeah, it was wholesaling. So uh, on YouTube, I would say that was like the thing that was hot. And it still is. But when we found it, that was that was how we came across it. It was a YouTube channel. Was it Max, Max Maxwell? Maxwell? Yeah. Um, there's a guy named Max Maxwell in our area, actually. I'm sure you found awesome. him. Awesome. Yeah, I know who he yeah. is. Great. Um, so we were watching his YouTube videos, listening to the podcast, like Wholesaling Inc. Um, so many different ones. Uh, eventually, we just kept hearing success story after success story. And then that's when Canada started pulling lists of data and we just started cold calling people. But as Crowan said, in school, we were, uh, we had such limiting time because we were having to balance social life, education, and then the business. Uh, so eventually we ended up getting sent home because of COVID. Uh, so now we were all back at home and we had no more distractions. We were full-time 
school and eventually we ended up leaving school. I went full-time in real estate and that's when we actually were cool calling from nine to eight. Um, eventually we closed on our first deal. Uh, that was actually the biggest deal we ever did. And then we used that money to fund a, a mentorship that we joined that taught yeah. us how to do creative financing. So we learned subject to and seller financing. And that's how we were able to get two rentals um, with almost no money down. It was zero money down on both the deals that we had to pay closing costs. Yeah. So it was, not, it was somewhat out of pocket, but really good deals. And that's how we were able to do it. And, and I just quickly want to clarify that we didn't know everything when we first started. Um, in fact, we were, I think we were realizing the more you, the more education you have, the more you realize you don't know. Yeah. And so it was, we got to the point where everyone says this in the real estate industry, so it's kind of cliche, but you just have to take imperfect action. And that's what we did. We realized we were going to learn more by doing it and just learn on the go. And so we started cold calling. I didn't even know how to explain wholesaling when I first started. <laughs> and you just really learn by failing forward and getting the practice. Yeah, that's amazing because I know I try cold calling. And I realized I was pretty proud of myself because I did it. First of all, it's yeah. pretty scary when you don't even know that what you like you said, you didn't know how to explain it. Right. Yeah. Um, and then people started picking up the phone and that's a whole different ball game. Yeah. And then <laughs> having the conversations. Now, you guys sound very young. Do you have any objections from people like, okay, what, what are these boys calling? <laughs> yeah. Sometimes people would say like, you sound like you're really young. And but that was because of my voice, the way my voice sounded at the time. Maybe just maybe now too. But eventually, uh, as we became like a little bit more, I would say, educated in the space, uh, people wouldn't question that. Um, in the beginning, that was an obstacle, and I would just tell them, "Yeah, I work with like a team of people that uh, have more experience than me," and that's exactly what we do in the multifamily space as well. How uh, we leverage the team. And the, Robert Kiyosaki, uh, who's one of our like our mentors from a, from a distance. Uh, we like to say that he, um, his biggest, one of his biggest principles is building a good, solid team around you. Yep. So powerful. That is amazing. Yeah. So how do you guys go from your wholesaling, you're making, you said after a while. So how long from the day you started cold calling to your first deal? Yeah, it took us, um, it took us about six months to get our first deal after starting cold calling and, um, really, you know, being intentional about trying to get leads. Um, so it took us six months. We had had it. We had we had a deal that had fell through that we were supposed to make. I think it was thirteen thousand on, and it fell through at the closing table the day before closing because it was just a really big lien on the property. Um, but you know, we just decided to keep on going. We were down about it for a little bit, but we, we just decided to keep on going. And two weeks later, we closed a deal that was like almost three times the size of that deal. So, you know, we just kept on persevering and, and just kept on going. Yeah, and, and I, I want to also just mention that it wasn't like easy at all. We don't want to make it seem like it was easier. Yeah. We were okay the whole time because we had to take out a credit card. It was about $7,000 of credit card debt, which I don't recommend. Yeah, we it, my, my credit card debt. His credit. <laughs> His credit. We were Someone like, had to go yeah, for it. He was going to take one for the team. And, um, and so we, like it was almost six months, I think. And we were calling from nine to eight. My mom was giving us, you know, saying we were done for wasting our time and our money. Um, our friends were saying we were, we were just wasting our time. And we really had to rely on each other and also rely on the, the thought leaders that we were listening to and the inspirational stories, podcasts like this one, where people would go on and say, I, I did it, possible, keep going. That really got us through it. But it was really hard, you know? Uh, you, don't, you don't know you can do it. And you think, oh, I'm, I, it worked for them, but not for me, until you actually do it. Yeah. Yeah, that's so powerful. And I love what you said, because sometimes 
It's like you've done it for six months and then you have a deal that it's almost a deal and it falls through. You can, mm -hmm. you guys almost own the right to say we're going to quit because we did it for six months. I got quit much earlier than that, but you kept going. And the key was to keep going beyond the point that you thought it was going to work. And then that deal came two weeks after, which is powerful. Yeah, yeah it really was. And there was at a point where two things. One, I had to go to my mom and ask for $500 from our savings account because uh, she had access to it back then when we were below the age. I was at 17, I believe, still at the time, or yeah, just turned 18. And she said, this is the last time I'm giving you guys money, you're wasting your time, and, you're, and she just kind of like, let me have it. And I went to Kenneth and I was like, can you remind me while we're doing this again? Because it was hard. You know, I know, but it, it gets really blurry and it's hard to see the end goal when it's just so, so much uh, adversity you're facing. And yeah, also one time we were running out of money for the dialer and we had to, we were gonna have to start hand dialing. And it was about a few days later that we got that deal, but we, we were too deep, you know, we had like yeah, $7,000. Yeah, we, we, we already burned the bridges, so we had to keep going. And a few days later, we you know got that first deal and we were able to get in the green and then some, so. So, so powerful. Yeah, and it's one thing that I so encourage people to do, have people around you that know why you're doing this because you will need that reminder. You will need to say, am I crazy? Why am I doing this again? Because they, if they care about you and they know your dream, they will tell you the things that you need to hear so you don't quit. And I'm so glad that your brother was there to tell you Absolutely. why why not to quit. It's powerful. Yeah. No, that's awesome. I mean, yeah. we, we really rely on each other. I think everyone has an internal battery um, and, and it's not realistic. Like you said, you have to have that circle. We believe you're the, the sum of the five people you surround yourself with. And that doesn't just include the people that are physically next to you, because uh, I don't, I, I guess it's safe to assume that not everybody is benefit and privileged enough to have partners that are brothers in the business. But if you listen to like thought leaders and podcast hosts like yourself, who they believe in and who inspire them, then I think that that's good enough. Yeah, that's amazing. So take me to that day. So you so you had that deal that, fo that fell through the day before closing. Two weeks later, you get your first deal. You get that validation. So how, what were the emotions that day? Yeah, I actually, like, I took a picture on my uh, one of my social media pages and I, I kept it to myself, but I sent, it was like the big check and I wrote a note to myself uh, for a year later. Like, uh, I was like, you could do anything and blah, blah, blah. Eventually, we ended up leaving school. I, I personally dropped out of school after I got the check. Um, that was like during the summertime, so I should have been applying for my next year's classes. Didn't do that. Instead, I sent it to my friends who are also entrepreneurs and, and entrepreneurial minded. Um, and they wanted to pursue business, but they didn't know what business to pursue. And I was telling them what we were doing, but it hadn't worked yet. So they were like hesitant. And skeptical. I sent it to, yeah, skeptical. So I sent it to my friend who uh, was currently attending the Clemson University, uh, which is a really good school. Mm -hmm. uh, he ended up getting the message and then he dropped out the next week <laughs> and he pursued wholesaling as well so it was like a something that was cool and we kind of built this culture and uh, this kind of group of entrepreneurs yeah, and we, all around our age yeah we, we had some cake and uh pop, pop some uh what's it some grape some champagne seltzer yeah, yeah. we didn't, <laughs> oh, this is great. We didn't, we didn't drink it because <laughs> like when we shook it like the whole bottle yeah. was gone but it was, it, it was celebratory it's yeah. the spirit it's the exactly, exactly. exactly. And, and, and we paid off for the, the instagram the seven thousand dollars of debt that we yeah. had taken out of my, on my exactly. car exactly i was gonna ask <laughs> you about that do you feel and be totally honest that having that debt motivated you not to quit or do you have the pressure that you had to pay that money um honestly that's a good question i actually never thought about it i just would swipe my card for anything business not even think twice about it and i would just know like whenever we made money it'll just be gone so yeah. Yeah. um it like it wasn't daunting but i mean of course 
when you have that amount of money that you owe um, to your credit card, you, I mean, like at that point, you're just, we, I knew we were never going to quit regardless, yeah. not because of the debt, just because we had higher reasons. But I guess you could say that was one of the reasons. For yeah. Sure. Some people say like, I've heard this, I don't know what book I read, but they said that the people that are, are end up being successful are crazy because they keep going past the point that makes logical sense. And most of the smart people end up quitting because they're like, okay, this obviously isn't working. Um, and I think maybe it was us being stupid or just having so much <laughs> faith, but we just were like, this is gonna work. This is gonna work. This is gonna work. Uh, past the point where most logical people probably yeah. quit. I would say two things as well. Um, for one, Kenneth has just always been like having the most faith yeah. out of us. And so I think I would ask him sometimes, I would, I remember asking him, are you worried Like this is on your credit score and you know it's gonna impact your credit history? And he was like, man, I just know I, I have faith in us and you know, there's a plan and we just have to stick to it. And then also, a lot of people, us included, take out college debt that's much more. Yeah. And so we were just, we saw it as an investment in our business and in ourselves, you know? Um, and honestly, in our education as well, because we were learning, like I said, by taking action. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, I think sometimes it's leaving yourself no choice. You said this is going to work. And I think there's something that happens in your brain when you tell yourself the option is that I'm going to win or I'm going to win. That, that Those are the only two choices. And there's I no think plan B. <laughs> no plan B. There's no plan B. And you, exactly. you said, I think you said you when you, you burn those bridges, when you're yeah, looking for that dialing, you yeah. have to, you have to. And, and I think um, you, you have such a great story about knowing what you wanted because granted you guys are my daughter's turning 18 actually today oh, wow. oh, thank you and she got in the college of her dreams and wow. but she's not paying for it and neither am i like oh, she yeah. has to go free she's doing it for free but she's clear on that and i'm not telling her not to go mm -hmm. um but looking at your story and what you guys are doing it, i think it was and you you can tell me if i'm wrong mm -hmm. the right decision to drop out because you had a plan and you were betting, I'm going to pay myself and I'm going to do this instead of kind of quote unquote wasting my time when I know this is not where I want to be. Yeah. 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 Sure. And I, I actually spent an extra year in college um, from then. I had full rides, so it was a little harder for me to like let go of it. And, and I attached a lot of my identity in, in college as well. Uh, but I quickly realized, I mean, I really tried my best to find a major that aligned with, with real estate and just made sense. But I noticed it was just, I was making excuses and I was really afraid of letting go, but this has been the most educational path. And I think I was stuck on that, that traditional like paradigm of what education should look like in going to class. Whereas they, we, we are educating ourselves by attending conferences, reading books, listening to podcasts and you know, speaking with really smart people. And to be, to be completely transparent, we spent probably more money than we would have spent in total on education for real estate and conferences than we would have spent on school. So it's not like, I mean, in my opinion, we're, we're getting a different type of education, but it's by our choice yeah. and what we want to learn. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, and, it, and I think, um, thank you for your honesty because there is that stigma of having that piece of paper, right? That people know mm -hmm. you went to college, but when you're an entrepreneur and you're hungry, you know that you're reading the books, you know, you're going to the conferences, you, you it's yeah. YouTube, I got called YouTube, my cousin, I'm there, like I'm watching videos, I'm getting notifications and you are educating yourself. It's just that it's more um, unofficial, but at the end you have so much knowledge and you can spew so much, so many details, so many principles yeah. because you're educating yourself. So that I think um, is not for everyone, like I said, so if my daughter wants to go to college, she gets to go to college. Uh, other people, I went to college and I'm glad that I didn't have to pay for all of it because looking back, I'm not using what I learned there. Mm -hmm. I have been educating and paying for years on other things that make me more more excited, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. 
and, and also I did want to mention that although we somewhat had a plan, um, I mean, it wasn't like a full drawn out plan. We just had faith that, you know, we thought that this path was better, honestly. And honestly, I, I personally just felt more passionate about this path. And it just made me wake up every day and like wanting to mm -hmm. like just feel more fulfilled, honestly. So yeah. every day that I woke up and went to class, you know, it was like something I had to do versus what I wanted to do. And then when I, although like, yes, I had to make calls and like follow up with people and it's like, maybe not the best thing, but you know, it was just something more fulfilling, honestly. And there was a bigger vision behind it. Yeah, I have to say going to school, I, I, we were pretty good at it. Like Kerwin was a, probably the best student out of all three of us. Yeah. I'd say I, I was getting better in college. So I was having like a good experience. I was in a lot of clubs, but then when I found real estate, I like kind of said, I was, we were not only more excited, but it also was a scarier thing for me to leave school because I was in my comfort zone in a way, not comfortable in the sense that it was easy, but comfortable in the sense that this is what everyone expects me to do. And this is a lot more riskier. Uh, it's scarier. And it just, I'm like, I, I just don't know why I really want to do this. Like, so that's why I ended up just leaving uh, and uh, everyone and <clears throat> Kerwin came back one day uh, after like hanging out with some friends and they told his mom, our friend's mother told Kerwin that we weren't going about things the right way. Uh, and we had read like a quote in a book by Darren Hardy. He said, don't take advice from people you wouldn't trade places with. So I really had to like take, take that into account when I was making my decision on whether or not to leave school. And I was like, okay, well, what do we do? And eventually before Crowan actually left, he, uh, we were at, we go to a lot of conferences, like Kenneth said, and we, he asked like a lot of these people at this event who are like making a lot of money, hiring real estate, yeah. um, people that we actually look up to and would love to not take places with, but mm -hmm. we would like to take advice from, right? So we asked them, uh, do you think we should be in school? This is kind of what we want to do. And I don't think one of them told us that school was the right fit for us. Uh, so I think people just need to keep that in mind. Uh, take advice from people you trade places with yeah. in that specific sense. So like, yeah, and I just want to uh, also mention that I think it's important to understand that school wasn't right for us. We're not saying school isn't right for anyone or everyone. Yeah, it just wasn't right for us. And this is a, a, a better path. And I think the challenge was understanding that for ourselves, particularly me. It took me a long time to kind of understand myself and if school was the right fit. Yeah, I get it. I, I think the audience can tell too that you're not advocating for people yeah. or saying that college is bad. It's just, again, not the right fit. If it's not the right fit and you're passionate about working for yourself. Now, your mom already works for herself, but she's got these three young boys. How did she take when one <laughs> by one you guys decide I'm out? Yeah. Well, I mean, you, like you said, you're, uh, you know, you have a Hispanic background as well. Yeah. And I mean, as an immigrant coming to this country, you know, the American dream is to, you know, get educated, get a job. And, you know, that's the American dream. And so it was kind of a paradigm shift and breaker when I when I first told her. Um, and it was I mean, she was not very happy at all, <laughs> as you could imagine, um, because that's like her dream, you know. Um, and I think it, it was her dream because she wants us to be successful, although I don't know. Most people think that without an education, you, you can't, um, you know, become successful. But traditional I think, education. Yeah, traditional education. I, I think that that's farther from the truth. So, yeah, I would say yeah. like, she wasn't really happy. <laughs> she wasn't happy um, at first when he brought it up. And then eventually I brought it up too. Like, I do this very casually. I'll slide it in there. I'm not going back. <laughs> at dinner table, we're just having a good time. And I slide it in again. Uh, eventually. We just kept saying it, uh, and then when it came time to actually re re reapply, I think she just had to face the reality that we weren't going back. Uh, and at that point, she saw that we were taking it seriously. Like it's not like we were sleeping until 12, going to sleep late, going out and doing dumb things. Uh, we were waking up really early. We started building different habits, 
Uh, eventually, I actually started getting some track record uh, and actually get closing on deals. So she saw that we help, would help her with money. And eventually, she actually now, I mean, she always says uh, like she wishes she would have, we would have gone, but she's not any, I would say any unhappy or more unhappy than I think she would have been. Because mm-hmm. at least we, we spend more time with her now than we did back then at college. And just to emphasize what Jeffrey said, she does see us uh, still educating. Like we yeah. read and go to conferences and things. So it took some time for her to adjust to that different form of education that we're, that we're pursuing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there comes a time where, and my, I know you guys are underage, but it comes a time in your life when you have to decide, do I want people to be happy with me or do I want to later on be happy with the decisions that I've made? And I have, I'm going to take a guess that you guys later on will be happy with the decisions that you guys made. Oh, for sure. Yeah. 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 Okay. So good. All right. So you made that first deal. You got that check. Uh, your brother can finally pay that, that credit card bill. What <laughs> yeah. happens after that? So we kept wholesaling and then we paid, uh, we're big advocates for investing in your network. We believe that your network uh, will, and net, investing in your network will have an infinite return on investment. And we also believe in investing in education, like we said. So we attended a lot of conferences. Uh, we joined a mastermind group that is in the single family space. It's Pace Morby's uh, subdue group. And so he taught, teaches you how to buy properties creatively through subject to and seller financing. And through those strategies, we bought two rentals. And yeah, then we made the transition to multifamily. Yeah, we did one fix and flip throughout that mm-hmm. timeline as well. Um, but in January of 2021, that's when we joined another mastermind group uh, that taught us how to, or we already kind of understood the syndication space, but that was how we were able to meet our, our now team members. Um, and that really accelerated our progress in the multifamily space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just love how smooth and how nonchalant you, sh- you share the things that you have done. But <laughs> how was that process of you bought, so you, you joined a Paces uh, program, which I mm-hmm. hear is amazing. And you mm-hmm. bought those two single properties. But how was the process of actually doing that? Like, where did the money come from? How do you guys found the yeah. property? Like, um, is it as easy <clears throat> as you just guys made it sound? No, so I would say... One thing about us, like Kevin already said, is we take imperfect action. So this is what we would do. I'd have my phone right here and I'd be cold calling on the laptop. And then I'd be watching Pace tell me how to do creative financing. And while I'm talking to the sellers cold calling, I would pitch it as he's pitching it to me and I can hear him and I'll apply it immediately. So that's how we learned really. Uh, it, was, it didn't even take us that long to like grasp the fundamentals. And then it just came, how do we uh, learn these objections? How do we handle the objections? Because it's all about educating the other person on the other end. So eventually we just got pretty good at that. And it was really Kenneth and me on the phones. Um, and eventually we just, we had a t- t- pace actually let us use his attorney as well. So um, that's how we were able to close those two sellers. Uh, and honestly, it was just really just doing it. Like that, the hardest part, the scariest part is like looking at it uh, as like an unattainable goal. But once you just take the first steps and they always say like, you can only see so far with the headlights, you know? I don't know how the, what the metaphor is exactly, mm-hmm. but. You can only go so far, so just take the first ahead. take the first few steps and keep going. Um, you're gonna mess up, but that's exactly how we did it, honestly. Do you want us to walk you through like the specifics of the deal, or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be great. You remember? I um, do kind of. Oh, yeah. Well, well, so one of them was just subject to. So I think there was a forty-seven or forty-eight thousand dollars left on the uh, mortgage, and the seller it was just a vacant house. The seller didn't want it. Um, so we took over the mortgage. We paid, I think, like $600 or maybe $700 to transfer title from his name to our name at closing table. And then we turned around and rented it for, it's still rented right now for $800 a month. Um, so that one's pretty much paid itself off. And I think it's worth closer to 100 
So we had pretty much worked, walked in with equity. Um, the other one was zero down, zero interest. We bought it for 35,000. Um, but it was seller financing. So yeah, seller financing. So we paid the attorney, I think $800 and then the first month's mortgage payment. So I think we, we had $1,200 at the closing table. Um, that we bought in October of 2020. And right now we actually just listed it for 80,000 um, and some, yeah, 80,000 on the market. Yeah, we put some work into it. Like yeah, we, we spent to, like yeah. 7,000, you know, just doing uh, renovating flooring, uh, paint, uh, fixtures, cleaning it up, vanities, um, just because the tenant, you know, kind of ruined it. But we, we rented that one out for $800. Yeah, $800 a month as well. And do you want us to explain stuff to you and sell the finance? I don't know. If yeah, if you don't mind, I know some people listening might not know what that is or even know who pays more VS, but if you don't, you have to. Yeah. So subject to just basically means you're taking over, um, you're, you're buying the property, so you're taking title, but you're leaving the debt in the previous seller's name. So you're just taking it over um, to the existing financing. So it's, um, you know, the, some banks, legally when you sign bank loans, you're not allowed to do this, but typically the banks don't really care or they don't really even look into it as long as you're making your mortgage payment. Cause you know, they don't really, they, they obviously loan you money because you know, they don't want the asset. They want to make money off of the yeah. interest. So. Um, as long as you're making mortgage payments, they don't really care. So that one, uh, that's basically what subject to is. And then creative yeah. finance. Yeah, uh, the seller financing is similar thing, except the way that we structured it would be similar in regards to the numbers. But um, it's when the property is owned free and clear. So now you're just pretty much getting the, the seller to act like a bank and loan you the equity. So I would what I would do is I would ask them, how much do you want um, for your house? And then they would tell me, and then if I could make the numbers work on a monthly payment basis, then the way I would do that is say that the house can rent out for $1,000 a month. Uh, the seller wants $700 a month. If I can negotiate that, then I understand, okay, well, I can, I can probably cash flow $300, $200 a month just by doing those simple numbers um, and over whatever the, the payment is and the purchase price. So you kind of do the math there. But I tell you to structure the payments based on, say, 30 years. The longer, the better, right? Because the smaller the payment. Um, that's really how we structured it, but seller financing is when the seller pretty much is the, the bank. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And I love how you're, you're making it simple because it can be simple if you allow your mind to be open and realize that yeah. you don't have to have bags of money to get started. And the point that we haven't made yet is that we are actually, you guys are helping people that sometimes are in tough situations, want to get out, need to have extra money, don't want to have to pay extra taxes. So you have to look at it from the perspective of you're not taking advantage of people, really it's people that wouldn't be able to get money otherwise. So yeah. it's a win-win for everyone. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Love it. All right, so you're doing that, you have the two rentals, what happens next? Yeah, so we can like fast forward, because we just started doing wholesaling deals, mm -hmm. wholesale deals um, from that point on until January of 2021. And Corona can kind of tell you how we learned about syndication. Yeah, we were just on a call with some other single family investors and got introduced to a multifamily developer, but he syndicated deals. And syndication is essentially when you purchase a large commercial property. Yeah. Uh, we were raising capital from limited partners, uh, investors that don't have uh, like control in the deal. So they're just using their capital to fund the equity uh, mm -hmm. investment, right? Yeah, syndication is, is simply, you can syndicate anything, Yeah. Uh, but it's just when you pull together a group of investors' money. Um, so what we what we will do now is we have a team. Typically, Kenneth actually is our acquisitions manager, so he looks for deals through brokers. 
uh, who are kind of like agents just for commercial properties. Uh, and what we'll do is we'll try to find a deal, but obviously these are really large assets that cost a lot of money. Um, so we'll need to get some type of other additional capital, which is, comes from our, we call limited partners, meaning they have limited control in the deal. Um, and we'll raise the money to go buy the asset. Uh, we'll take out debt as well. Uh, but that's really what, how we learned about it. And then we quickly learned that when you're reaching out to these real estate brokers, we didn't have the track record in the space to be able to actually convince them that we could close because we probably couldn't have, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, so they were smart for not looking at it at yeah. that time. We were like, okay, this isn't working. So how do we come back, regroup, and take a different type of approach? Uh, we learned that we probably needed a mentor who was willing to partner with us. So as we always do, we, we look at mastermind groups and educate, educational methods. So we learned about this group out of Dallas called Think Multifamily. Uh, we ended up liking them. We got on a few calls with uh, the person that leads that group uh, and we ended up joining. Uh, now he actually partners on our deals with us. He's got a track record of over 10,000 units in the multifamily space. So that's what helps us actually get more competitive when we're reaching out to brokers. Um, and that's how we got into our first three deals was, was through that group. Yeah, and just to, uh, I want to also mention that We've always knew, known that multifamily was the end goal. We wanted to get into commercial investing, but we had some limiting beliefs, like I've been mentioning, it's kind of a recurring theme at this point. Uh, and we thought we were too young, we didn't have enough money or the track record. And we quickly realized once we got exposed to syndication and listened to some podcasts, that those were limiting beliefs, that we could just, if, if with the right resources and being intentional with it, we could just go ahead and do it. Uh, multifamily was more aligned with our long-term goal of retiring our mom's passive income. And going big is what we really wanted to do, but we just thought we had to do, pay our dues and wait. And we decided that that wasn't what we wanted to do anymore. And wholesaling is very transactional. You can make a lot of money, but we're in this game for wealth and long-term wealth. And that's where I, why multifamily was just better suited for us. That is so good. So how do you, what do you think it comes from that mindset of, okay, we're too young. We don't have a track record, but where do you get the mindset of, I'm going to try another way? Because you could have said, well, this wholesale thing, we got it down. We can keep buying single homes. Mm -hmm. How do you, what do you think that comes from? Like, okay, I'm going to try something different. Yeah, I would say, um, honestly, like once we saw it, we just couldn't unsee it. Mm -hmm. Like we got a little taste of it. And, and I think that that was enough to just push us. Um, because I think one day we were, I mean, we, we obviously knew what syndication was and, and we're, I'm a really big Grant Cardone fan. And so I was watching his his videos since um, since he uh, really I, I used to be a car salesman. So I started watching his videos back in like 2017, I think, or yeah, around then 2018. Um, and so you know, following him, I always knew that that is where the big money is. And so I think once we got a little taste of it, we couldn't really unsee it, and, and we just decided to just jump in honestly yeah. and listening to podcasts i mean i keep saying that but that is what exposed us to that being possible and before then we thought it was this big institutions like i did big institutional buyers uh corporate you know companies things like that yeah but we were listening to these podcasts and these were just everyday people who were raising capital from their own networks and networks that they created and so we just yeah didn't see it, why we couldn't do it either yeah and then when, uh, when we were first getting into real estate in the single family space we had the same exact like I do, it was like the same distance. It felt like like we had never done it before. Real estate was something that was so scary. Uh, so when we applied the same mindset, we were like, okay, we just did this in single family. Looking back at the last 13 months, we can do the exact same thing in multifamily. We just have to take the same approach, uh, which is don't like, just go all in, you know. Like, uh, and what we did really well in the single family space, I would say, is we uh, learned a lot. We were always educating, and then we looked for mentors. 
So we applied that same mindset when it came to multifamily, which Cohen mentioned earlier in the, the show. When you're hanging around people that are doing the things that you want to do, it demystifies it and it makes it more possible because you're rubbing shoulders with them. Uh, you're building your network with these people and you're just learning uh, what they're doing, how they're being successful. And that's how we were able to eventually do it ourselves. Yeah, that's so powerful. And as you guys were, were talking, I kept smiling because the whole point of this podcast is to encourage people to do this. And unbeknownst to me, without even me wanting to, I have had such a diverse um, people come in, guests, different ages, different backgrounds, a lot of brand people, because I think you need to have um, representation. When you see someone that sounds like you and looks like you doing what you want to do, I don't know why, but it does something. I just want to thank you for doing this for you. even younger, you know, young people that kind of feel lost. You guys knew you were in college. You knew that you wanted to do it. There are other kids that know that college is not for them but they don't know what else is out there. And they're good kids just trying to figure it out. So I think this episode is really going to help people in transition and people that don't have the means or so they think they don't. Yeah. And it's going to encourage them to look um, look at it from a different perspective. Absolutely. I think yeah. it's a lack of exposure because you know we just didn't know Kenneth. Uh, I can't say. I, I had a sense of what I wanted to do. I believe you guys didn't really know, but once we started listening to podcasts, we just realized that was an option. Yeah. And at the end of the day, this is all for like uh, different purposes as to why we're doing it. But um, when we were in school, I didn't really, I was going to go to school and be like a business guy. I want to wear a suit and tie or something like that. That's what I had in my mind. Uh, but really the life by design is what we're after. Uh, and what better way to do that than for real estate, you know? Yeah, no, I, I cannot think of anything else to be honest. <laughs> and I'm a business person, but yeah, yeah. I, I, I know that we, there's something something sexy, something exciting about yeah. real estate for everybody. I think you can do so many different things. So I'm going to ask each of you if you could tell me, uh, of all the things that you have done in real estate, what is your favorite and what do you think you are the best at? Yeah, um, I would say talking to people, like meeting people, seeing how I can help people. I, I get on I get on our, our networking calls or investor calls or pretty much any type of call over Zoom or in person, whatever. But um, that's my favorite thing is seeing how I can add value. And I think that's helped us in a lot of ways, just finding creative ways to help people. Even when we lacked other types of uh, resources like money, I um, mean, we, we could maybe make a connection or um, maybe help them with their marketing or something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would say, I mean, I personally, so I've always been like more on the acquisition side. So being out in the field that, you know, with single family going out to see the properties like the houses. Um, now I go on tours and, and look at the apartments themselves um, and just speak with the brokers. And I think that's like the funnest thing in the world, honestly. So, yeah, that's my honestly my favorite thing um, about what I do personally. Yeah. And we're, we're really big proponents of leading with value and educating others as we're on this journey. So. I'm a big fan of storytelling, and we do that through our content, uh, our podcast. We also do, I, I, just, I like writing as well. So I, I would say finding ways where I can marry writing and real estate is where I, I like a lot. Nice. I love that. The reason why I asked that question is because I know some people think that if they're going to do real estate investing, they have to become a realtor or they have, they, they think it's just one way and it's so multidimensional and it's so many different ways to be in real estate investing that from the, the type of property that you buy, how you buy it, when you buy, who you sell it to, if you're going to keep it, if you're going to flip it. I mean, so many different, that's the beauty of it, that you can yeah. really do anything in real estate. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's a lot of different paths within real estate. I think there's something for every type of person as well. Yeah. And there's so many different asset classes, yeah. so many different types of niches within real estate. So like, yeah, if you're an extrovert, you can be out there meeting people, raising capital. If you're an introvert, then you can be underwriting deals and looking at spreadsheets all day if that's your thing. It's not my thing. <laughs> Totally get it. Yeah, I love I love the numbers. I love looking at the spread and looking to okay, how we gonna where we gonna be, you know, and how we gonna get there. That that's my favorite thing. But to each their own, right? It, different different di- different things for different people, right? So what what's next for, for the Donis brothers? Like what do you guys see? I know you wanna retire your mom, but long term goal, what is it for you guys? Yeah, um, well, for this year, we're looking to at least do one uh, larger acquisition. Um, and then hopefully, so right now we're co-sponsors on all the deals that we're a part of. Uh, we're hoping to find our own deal this year. Kenneth is the guy that's working on that. So I'm, I'm sure he will find it. And hopefully we can do a few of those this year. Um, but the ultimate goal is to retire our mother, uh, further our progress and also see how we can help the world. So there's a lot of different nonprofits that I personally am passionate about that I want to be able to help more. Um, so that, those are the goals for me. I can't speak for them. Yeah, we are also uh, going to start producing more content on social media and educating as many people as we can. We're really excited about building a community of like-minded people and um, helping people achieve their real estate goals. Yeah. Awesome. I love that. So let me ask you this question before you guys can tell us where we can find you and listen to your show. So knowing where you're now today, what would you have liked your younger, earlier real estate version of yourself now? So do you mean like earlier, like before we got into real Before you started, it's like, you, what you know now, what would you like that person before you started to know? Yeah, well, um, I mean, so I went to college not really knowing. I think I was following, um, you know, other external sources and not really looking for what I really wanted to do. So I would have skipped college entirely and just gotten straight into real estate. And I think, of course, you know, I would have been further along. but. Um, yeah, I would have just started studying real estate in high school if I could have, honestly. So yeah, that's what I would I would say. And also reading more books uh, started in starting in like high school. Yeah, I would have said um, the knowing the importance of the network. Like I, that's so it's so cliche, but until you're intentional about it. So something I do now is I'll have like a CRM, which is a customer relationship management system. Just for anyone in the audience that doesn't know what that is. Uh, what I'll do is I'll actually keep track of the people that I meet and I'll treat it like a, like a sales funnel or like a sales um, follow-up system where I'm consistently staying in touch with these people. And you might think that's a waste of time, some people in the audience, but it's just paid off in so many different ways. And I didn't know that until I started doing it. So that's just something that I, I think I would have started doing earlier if I could. Yeah, and I would uh, read books, certain books like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Think, like, uh, Think, Think, and, Think and Grow Rich. Those are two books that changed the way we thought. And I think I like to say that those are the books that broke us because after that, we didn't think the same. We were, we thought that a business was possible and it wasn't just inventing and uh, coming up with like some object or technology, or technology like Silicon Valley. Uh, you could be a real estate investor and that's just something we were never exposed to. So yeah, yeah. that's so good that those books broke you. That's so good. I'm all, all, I'm all in, <laughs> in a good books. way. Though. I've yeah. written a whole bunch of books and, and my hope is that my books also mess it up for people. Like they're like, mm-hmm. okay, now I can, I think you guys said it. I cannot own know this. Once you see, I think you said, once you've seen it, you cannot yeah. see it. Absolutely. That is so good. So what are you guys up to? Um, where can people find you and learn more about you guys? Yeah, we're at www.donisinvestmentgroup.com. 
That's D-O-N-I-S investmentgroup.com. And we're also at Donis Brothers on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, TikTok, YouTube, Pinterest, everything. Literally yeah. everywhere. Except Pinterest. Except, Except not, yeah, Pinterest. not Pinterest. But, uh, yeah, if you, but, if, yeah. If you just Google Donis Brothers, you'll, you'll find all of our social media. Um, yeah. And the Real Estate Monopoly is our podcast. And Donis Brothers on YouTube as well. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, we'll make sure to put all those links on the show notes so people can find you. Uh, I am so glad and so proud of you guys. I'm like, um, I know I'm a mom, so I'm like, proud mama right now. I'm sure your mother is too. Thank you so much for taking the time to share your story with my audience, which I'm sure will be your audience very soon. I just know that you inspire a lot of people. I definitely leave you very inspired and I cannot wait to see what you guys do. Make sure that you don't, don't forget me when you get there, okay? We will. <laughs> Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, awesome. We had a great time. Yeah, this is awesome. Yeah. Oh my God, it was amazing. I learned so much and, and I'm glad that we got a little deeper and talk about the mm. things that people are not thinking about. Yeah, the numbers are great, but how do you get there and what are the things that happen behind the scenes that most people don't want to talk about? So thank you yeah. for going there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you. thank you for your time. We appreciate it. Yeah. You are very welcome. Well, you guys, thank you so much for listening and watching the REI Friends podcast. It is my literal pressure, pleasure to be able to do these interviews because I live inspired and I meet amazing people like these young men. So hopefully you are subscribed so we can see you next week. Uh, another episode on the REI Friends podcast. Bye. 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 Bye.